1: choice to make in life turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. Amen. He is the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: There's something about a storm. You can't stop it. It's going to come, whether you like it or not. You scramble to get all the picnic stuff out of the way. You talk about how miserable it is to have this downpour. But you can't stop it. It's coming. It's on the agenda. Not yours, but on God's. I have some stories to share again today. But yesterday's stories and today's stories, I'm telling them not so much because they're good stories. They are awesome stories. We've heard them from the time we were little children. What I'm interested in is the response of the children of Israel to what God does. Now, Many of you don't count God in the picture. He's there. You love him. You serve him. But he doesn't show up for you. You pray a little, but there's no answer. Everything seems dead. And sometimes you come to a place in your life where you just get a grouch on i I was that way yesterday. I have to ask my wife to please forgive me. I had to also ask Jesus to forgive me. Sometimes we just get tired of the constant stream of things happening that take our time and energy that cause us to be miserable. But in all of that, what is most interesting is to watch our response to what God brings into our lives. Now, I'm into the third month with a a broken hip. And I've been sidelined, not going out of the house, Sitting on the couch until it's beginning to break down. Waiting on God. And how am I responding to this? Well, let's look at some of the story. The children of Israel have been miraculously led out of Egypt. They have seen the power of God over a period of time. They have seen that he has covered them, not allowing some of the plagues to fall upon them. After they're delivered, they're going boldly out of Egypt. They spend a night on the road, The pillar of cloud is there by day to cool the air. The pillar of fire is there by night so that the camp is well lit. And now as they approach crossing the sea, here the Egyptians come after them. Egyptians It seems like they're always coming after you. They were terrified, it says in chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 10. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us up out of the desert to die? What have you done to us? By bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. Now Moses says, Don't be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians, you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What's your first response to trauma, difficulty? Ah, I wish I'd just never come. I wish I'd never considered this. I wish, I wish. Be better if just died. Well, that's how the children of Israel were. Now we come to chapter 15. They've had a wonderful celebration after the wonderful deliverance through the Walls of water on both sides and the drowning of the entire Egyptian army, the destruction of their, of their tanks. Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, lead the congregation in dancing. I tell you, there's nothing like the singing and dancing of the Jewish people in celebration. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. See, now they're on the other side of the of the divide, and they're safe. The Egyptians can't reach them. The Egyptians are all dead, and they're singing and exalting and praising God. Everything's going right. But now Moses leads them into the desert of Shur, And for three days, they traveled deeper and deeper into that desert without finding any water. When they come to Marah, they cannot drink its water because it is bitter or it is poison. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink Moses cries out to the Lord. The Lord shows him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. So what's their first response? They're grumbling against Moses. What are we going to drink? What happened to the dancing and the shouting of just three days ago? It's all gone. Now it's, we got to have water now. And they did need water then. They had livestock, million people. And the Lord says something to them that is so profound. You need to hear this. I'm just going to read it to you. This is Exodus 15. They're the law of There the Lord made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. Oh, wait a minute. They're testing the Lord already. And now the Lord is saying, okay, you're going to do it this way. I'm going to give you a test. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes. In other words, you're not going to grumble every time something doesn't go your way. You're not going to be stoical and say, well, this is just how it is. I have to suffer through this. No, he says, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord who heals you i'm the lord who heals you so if you'll behave if you'll change your attitude and you'll begin to respond differently to what happens i'm going to keep you well i'm going to heal you any of you need healing today i do okay no more grumpy days ray Some of you have been in pain a lot longer than I've been. I know, though, what the haze of pain is like. And I know what it's like to wake up every morning, barely able to move, only can groan. You ask your wife, could you get me a cup of coffee, honey? I know what this is like. Things have been very difficult in many portions of my life. Now, the question is, how will I respond? And the Lord is saying, if you will, if you'll respond with belief and trust in me, if you'll obey me, I won't let any of these diseases come upon you. Well, Some of you have already got the diseases. Some of you have already got the breaking down of your body. What do you do now? He says, I'll heal you. Will the Lord heal me? Yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. I don't know the future. So I better keep my mouth shut about Anything other than what God has said to me. And his promises are that he will heal me. Okay, God will heal me. I stand by faith. He will heal me. I will not be a stoic. I will not just say, well, I'll put up with it. That's a good way to die. No, faith, rise up in faith. I will trust Almighty God. I'm going to do what he has told me to do. I'm going to stand by faith. I'm not going to be a grouch. I know some of you are saying, oh, that's easy for you to say, Ray. You haven't been in pain as long as I've been. You haven't been housebound as long as I've been housebound. Stop it. We're dealing here with God. You want out of your prison? I do. I want out of my prison. Then let God use the prison to perfect my character. And let me keep my attention on the Lord God of heaven. Now I want to show you some other some other responses. The whole Israelite community in chapter 16 set out from Elam, to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and the Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they came out of Egypt. And in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and all the, the, the food we wanted. But you've brought us up out of this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Every time a crisis comes, and let me just do a quick aside. I'm telling you these stories for a very, very specific purpose. They go directly along with Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I challenge you, in preparation for next week's broadcast, read the fourth chapter of Hebrews. It It explains what happened to the children of Israel because of this constant attitude of unbelief, lack of faith. They all died in the desert. Do you understand? The way we respond to God in the crisis point of our life, in the elongated crisis point of our life, The way we respond to God will determine what he's going to do with you. And you, whether you know it or not, are in the hands of God. Now, some of you, he's going to say, you know what? I need that person in heaven now. And he's going to take him to heaven. He did that with my late wife, Jan. We cried out for the Lord to heal her. The Lord only said one thing to me, and I'm ashamed to say it to you. He said, you're too big for me to heal Jan. It broke my heart, and sure enough, he took her. But now it's my turn. What's it going to do with Ray Greenley? What's he going to do with you? The way you respond to God in the midst of the painful crisis will have a great deal to do with whether you live or die. Whether you stand by faith or you totally lack faith and you just say, "Oh, I can't do anything about it. I'm a victim. I'm not a victim. God brought or God allowed this crisis in my life. And in just about the three months I've been on the the couch, he's brought me such depth of understanding. I mean, when there's nothing to do but sit on the couch and read the Bible, that's all he'll let me do at this point. The books are put away. I'm not there to educate myself. I'm there to get right with Jesus. I'm there to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you, I got mad at the Holy Spirit. I thought he was being unduly hard on me. That's stupid. But I had to pray through that. And I had to come to a place where I just said, Jesus, I trust you. I trust and love your Holy Spirit. Have your way. Do whatever you need to do to get me ready to go to the next step in my life. So what do you do if you start saying, I don't have any next step in my life. I'm, I'm, a, I'm done. I'm going to die here. Okay. You probably will die there because God is not pleased with your response God wants you to rise up in faith and let God move in whatever way he chooses either to heal you or to take you to heaven either one is okay now watch Then the Lord said to Moses, they're they're saying they're going to starve to death. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, you're to prepare what they bring in. And and that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Just a, a real quick aside. On the seventh day, after creation, God blessed and hallowed the Sabbath day and made it holy. But then, when Adam and Eve fell, they broke the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was not restored until right here. None of the predecessors... In Genesis, Exodus, none of them had a Sabbath rest. But now a Sabbath rest is being given back to the children of Israel. And it's a test. Don't mistake it, it's a test. Do you remember, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Okay? Will the community do what God has said? Well, no. They're going to go out on the next Sabbath and they're going to try to collect as much as they can. It's going to get worms in it. Or there won't be any on the Sabbath. They'll collect on Friday and get worms in it. It'll stink. They saw it. They saw it on the ground. They said, what is it? Well, that's what the word manna means in the Hebrew. What is it? Now, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now, let's be clear. These Quote, scientific answers are all false. If you would figure out, here's your math problem, figure out how much bread you need to feed a million people. You're going to have to send in convoys of semi-trucks constantly to bring enough bread to feed. And they just pick it up. Now God could have arranged to have gold and silver tables with gold and silver bowls out in the wilderness. That would not have been a problem for him. But he didn't choose to do it that way. Why? The only way you could pick the manna up was on your knees. The only way you can eat the bread of heaven is on your knees. You're going to have to pray when you pray, you're going to show what your heart is. Your prayer may be a long list of anti-things against God, accusations. Or your prayers may be words of love, compassion, and worship to Jesus our Lord. Now, chapter 17, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water. No water for the people to drink. Already we're into chapter 17, people. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children, our livestock, die of thirst? Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah, meaning testing, testing God. And Meribah, meaning quarreling with God. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord. Saying, is the Lord among us or not? Well, they could see the Lord was among them. There was the pillar of cloud by day. There was the pillar of fire by night. There was the guidance with food. They were covered. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. Moses held up his hands The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword, and the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it, The Lord is my banner. For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. These are the simple lessons that we need to look very carefully at and understand the ways of God. We know our ways. Blame, anger, bitterness. Well, this is just how it is. I guess I have to put up with it. No, we don't. Look at the promises that I've shared with you today that the Lord... God is our healer if we will pay attention and obey what he tells us to do. What has God told you to do? And have you obeyed that word? If you have obeyed that word, are you standing firm by faith that God will provide the money, that God will provide the food, that God will provide the car we need, Remember the seventh chapter? Jesus' message setting up the rules for the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That's what your heart's to be set on. Seek first the kingdom of God, not your comfort. Not your healing. Not your stuff. God knows what you need. Before you even ask. God knows. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. That is... Seek first to come under the rule of Almighty God. Isn't that what he just said to the children of Israel back here? If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, his his righteousness, doing what you know to be right before Almighty God, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15. And then we come to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Seek ye first the kingdom, the rulership, See here's the here's the problem. Who rules your life? I have pretty much and I'm I don't want to confess this to you but I'm going to. I have pretty much ruled my own life thank you very much while doing all the things that I thought I should do. The bottom line I've ruled my own life. I've been in charge of what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go how I'm going to spend money. I'm not anymore. I'm not in charge of where I go. Right now I'm not going anywhere. I'm not in charge of how I spend the money. I'm not in charge of my life anymore. I have said to the Lord God of heaven, I belong to you. And I will only go and do and say what you give me to go and do and say. I will receive from your hand, Lord, only what you choose to give me. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing to live by that? In other words, Jesus has established a kingdom in the heavenlies. There are rules that govern that kingdom just as surely as there are rules that govern the United States of America. God has his rules. A part of those rules is stand by faith on the word of God. Do not waver. Do not live by the current situation you find yourself in live in the rules of heaven know what they are know what his promises are luke no mark 11th chapter he says command this mountain to be moved into the depths of the sea and if you have faith it will be done for you It will be done for you. Know what the rules of the road are for heaven. Stop living by the rules of the road for this earth, for human entertainment, for human ways. Stop. So cut off the movies, cut off the television, cut off the the flesh, cut off the world, cut off the things of this world. Go to Jesus. Learn the rules of heaven. You could easily spend from now until you pass just reading the scriptures and beginning to understand the rules of the road for heaven. It's vital that you know the ways of God. I've asked people, do you know the ways of God? And they've looked at me like I was crazy. What do you mean the rules of God? Yes, God has the rules of the road for heaven. And we've got to live in those now, not later. And so he establishes his kingdom, and now he's involved in an insurgency back into this world. And he's going to establish the full authority of Jesus Christ over this world. He is going to bring about everything in unity under the headship of Jesus Christ. Read Ephesians. Jesus is going to rule this earth. So understand right now, if you're going to be a part of God's kingdom, you better sign up now. You better say yes now. Or you will not be included in that kingdom. And all that is not of that kingdom will burn in the final judgment. So right now, we need to figure out what are the rules of the road. And we need to step into those rules. And obey them. Okay, so... The kingdom of God is not a philosophical term. It is a descriptive term of the actual reality of God's rulership in the universe and on the earth. So he has an insurgency kingdom, the church, which, yeah, we messed it up pretty bad it's apostate in america but he's going to change that soon he's going to clean out wicked pastors he's going to dismiss unworthy servants and the church is going to get cleaned up in america probably through persecution okay so seek ye first the royal authority of God over your life. In other words, you're not in charge of your life anymore. You have to seek the royal authority of God the same way as you would seek the authority of the police to give you a ticket when you're going too fast or to investigate your accident. This is also executive power, court power, police power. And he has powerful angels who are recording and examining, yeah, even assigning discipline. So it's seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, the word righteous in the Greek, it just means innocence. It means you're not messing up, going over the lines. You're not acting like an idiot. You're walking straight with Jesus. Your heart is filled with love and adoration and worship to your master. And then it makes this astonishing statement. The pagans run after food, shelter, provision, clothing. You're not going to need to do any of that. The Lord's going to work things out so they come to you as you serve him, as you do what God calls you to do. He is going to provide everything necessary for his kingdom. I've experienced this so many times. God provides in your hearts to give to this broadcast because we're not coming out of a a large congregation that funds it. We're a house church. So the Lord moves in your heart. Now some of you, you have hearts of stone. You're not going to give no matter what. You're going to criticize. But others of you are going to donate. To the cause of Jesus Christ and to the straight message that comes day by day. Your provision is based on either the pagan model or the Christ model. Now, the world doesn't understand this. A pagan just said to me yesterday or the day before. The Lord helps those who help themselves. That's what the scriptures say. No, it does not say that. That's a lie. The Lord helps those who belong to his kingdom and who obey his rules. So what are you going to do? I've tried to help you today by being very straight. I urge you to Read between now and next Monday, Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters, and Romans, the sixth chapter. Read, pray, understand, they are life for you. Now I'd like to pray with you. Lord, I've come today and spoken as plainly as I can. And I'm asking that as this seed has fallen in good soil, that it would very quickly spring up and bear a hundredfold return. Lord, don't let the devil steal the seed from people's minds. Don't let there be a lack of moisture so the seed just dries up and dies. Lord, don't let the seed be crowded out with the responsibilities of life. But Lord, quicken this seed in the hearts of men and women and cause them to say, Yes, yes, I will follow Jesus. Lord, I recognize that some of my precious listeners are grouchy like I was yesterday. I recognize that we still get twisted around, but that you, in your great mercy, wrap your arms around us and carry us all the way through. Lord, many of us are facing situations that demand straight-up, hard-edged faith, God's faith. We can't even muster up the faith necessary. You have to give it to us, Father in heaven. Give us your faith, please, to stand firm and not be blown around by the devil's wind. Lord, I'm not interested in the devil's breezes as he blows them by me. I'm interested in you, Jesus. I'm interested in the faith of the Father, the confidence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for his love and compassion and mercy and discipline. Lord, may he have free reign in my heart in the heart of every person listening to this broadcast. Now, Lord, there are some who are in great pain today. And I just know that when I've been in great pain and my wife has come and laid hands on me and prayed and asked you to relieve the pain so that I could sleep, Lord, the pain has been gone. I thank you for a wife who prays for me. And I pray that every person listening today will have somebody who will pray for them. And Lord, if there is nobody there for them, Jesus, would you pray for them? Would you intercede with the Father for them? Lord, I thank you. I know it's your will to heal many people. Now, we've not seen this for many years in America where people are healed of their diseases and their sicknesses and their brokenness. But I know we're entering now into a time when this will happen again. So, Lord, I'm praying, quicken us by your spirit. Quicken us by your spirit and send forth the healing power of Jesus that many could be touched and healed for wherever they're at. Lord, let hope suddenly spring up in the heart of every person who is in misery today. Let hope spring up in every sick person. Lord, let hope spring up in the heart of every person listening that you will come again And you will do this work of restoration and healing as we prepare to get ready to go to heaven. Lord, I thank you. That hope has sprung up in my heart. Lord, let it spring up in my brothers' and sisters' hearts. Today, Lord, there are some who've given up Lord, don't let them give up. Give them the courage to carry on, to wait upon you, Lord, to let you straighten out anything in their hearts that is in rebellion or is angry or is judgmental, Lord, that's bitter. Lord, change our hearts and get us ready to be restored by you and by your miraculous power. Lord, call your people to read the scriptures. Turn us, O oh Lord, in your might and your, and your kindness. Turn us, O oh Lord, from darkness. Don't let us fill our hearts with the wickedness of sin. Lord, it's an escape, but it's not a healing. We need healing, not escapes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty King. I love you, my Lord. And my hope is in you. You are everything to us, Jesus. You said, will the Lord find faith when he comes back? Yes, you will find faith in me. And you'll find faith in many who are listening and we stand up and say, yes, Lord, we will stand though the heavens fall. We will believe regardless of what the circumstances look like or feel like. Thank you, mighty God. Father, my heart is overflowing with love for you and for the Holy Spirit. And for you, Jesus, the very center of my heart, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come have your way today. Come have your way, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Brother Richard, thank you. We just got your wonderful note. I always enjoy reading your notes and your gift to Jesus, your offering to Jesus. Dirk, thank you. Just got yours too. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come to our webpage, page, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I've been watching that and praying that people would be eager to step up and help with the gospel work. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all my heart. I hope you hear what I'm saying, not as any kind of judgment. But as a statement of love. I'll talk to you soon. You've been by the way, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenland.